Welcome back to Sundry Thoughts Podcast. This is going to be the third part installment in our Think series. In today's episode, we're going to be talking about thinking well. And I want you all to understand that it is our job and our pleasure to cultivate a beautiful mind. Some have compared the mind to a garden. Some have compared it, or Aurelius rather, compared it to a fortress. And I want you to understand that whatever your preferred metaphor is, your mind is going to be your place of residence. It is going to be the castle and the castle walls. And it is up to us to make sure that this is the best castle because we only get one. And we're going to be talking about that in just one second. What's up, guys? Once again, welcome back to Sundry Thoughts Podcast. I'm your host, Carl. So glad that you could be with me today. It's a great day here. And I hope it's a great day wherever you are and whenever you're listening to this episode. Before we get into the episode, I want to implore you to share this episode with somebody you love. Share this episode with a coworker. Share this episode with that emo person in your family. Share this with the Debbie Downer at your job because they are going to need to hear this. And perhaps if it's beneficial to you, it'll be beneficial to them. I'm about to go about the work of making sure it is beneficial to you, or at least that's going to be my attempt. So let's jump right into it. Layer one is what I'm going to call the first portion of this podcast. So what is layer one? Layer one is how do you think about things? How do you mentally approach scenarios? So it's not what you're getting. It is not the content that you're receiving or the information or the messages you're receiving. It is your contour of mind that almost predetermines what you're going to do with any message or any information that you receive. So if you are, for instance, a person who is very, very skeptical, you are skeptical at a very base layer one level. What that means is if I tell you that I'm going to come to your birthday party because you just told me about it, you are probably going to say, well, we'll see. Layer one means that I can almost guess if I know you well enough that you're probably going to be like, I'm going to put an asterisk next to that. You said you were coming, but we'll see, because that's the kind of contour that exists in your mind. So layer one, how do you think about things and how do you mentally approach scenarios? Layer one deals with your proclivities. It deals with your, again, mental contours. It deals with how things are formed after they register to your mind. And so this is so very important because you don't want to just think about good things, but you also want to be able to receive good things and their goodness be intact after you receive them. Wow. (laughs) That kind of surprised even me. I say that one more time. You don't want to just be able to receive good things, but you want their inherent goodness to remain intact after you receive them. You don't want them to enter your mind and they go from benign to malign. You want them to retain goodness because if they don't, that means you're the kind of purpose. You're the kind of person who cannot handle good things. And now it does not matter what opportunities come to you or what goodness comes your way. It's always going to be slightly less good. And the opportunities are going to be smaller and less praiseworthy. So let's talk about two major things that impact this. Number one, it's going to be environment. 
Number two is going to be experiences. So let's take a little bit of time to talk about these two very related things, your environment and your experience. Layer one is so important because it is shaped by your environment. This is not rocket science. You don't have to have an neither do I have a PhD in sociology or psychology to understand this very empirically true fact. Now, this is not mathematics. This is not pure science, but it is probabilities. And so the odds are that if you were raised in a rough environment, you're going to be a little bit rougher. And this is the same with experiences. If you've had very, very bad experiences, the odds are is that your contours are going to be formed in ways that you might not want them to be because you've had a lot of bad experiences. And now because the human brain functions the way it does, because adaptability is such a, a central part of what it means to be human, it is not just that my body adapts, my mind adapts, and now I am expecting, in a sense, some bad things. I am now expecting some toxic things and people to abound and to be around me because this is just what the world is, right? Wrong. It does not have to be. So let's go to the first thing, which is environment. Brothers and sisters, I want you to change your environment. And you might say, well, I'm not, you know, I'm not toxic. I didn't grow up in a toxic, toxic environment. It doesn't matter. <laughs> I'm not saying that if you grew up in a rough environment, you should change your environment. I'm not saying that you if you grew up in a bad environment, that you should change your environment. I'm saying that whatever environment you grew up in, change it. Oh, my goodness. I <laughs> I am definitely one of those people who say that it's good for you to move out of your state or move out of your community one time in your life because it gives you a perspective. And because listen to this, nothing is perfect. You will always see some handicaps in what you grew up in. You just have to get far enough away from it. And what do you know? Now you can make some improvements. So environment, let me give you an example of what I'm talking about. I was at the bank yesterday. I stopped at the ATM to get some cash. And when I was driving up to the bank, it's uh, it's a lot of like windows that you can see into the little vestibule there and you can see there. So pulling up, I saw this guy who had been in there. I'm parking. I went to one spot. Then I backed into another spot and I see that the guy's still in there. I was on my phone for a little bit doing, you know, whatever I was doing for just like a minute or two. He was still in there. And I'm like, oh, man, like, you know, he's been in there a little while. I hope both of these machines are working because uh, at one point, one of the machines were broken. And I was like, I don't feel like waiting for him. Anyway, I get in there and the guy is counting mad cash. Just just got mad money out, counting it, putting it in, doing different transactions. And immediately I thought to myself, like, nah, bro. Now, just for context, it's 10 o'clock at night. We're not a bad area or anything like that, but it's 10 o'clock at night and he got all his cash at the ATM and I'm like, nah, nah. Now, I'm not thinking to myself, praise the Lord. <laughs> I'm not thinking like, oh, I'm about to take some of this, but I'm because of the environment I grew up in. I know that this is a social violation on his part, not because he's offending me, but because he's not being smart, according to the environment I was raised in, because it's 10 o'clock at night. You got all this cash out here. I can almost see the cash from driving up on you. And this is what happened. He I was leaving. He drops a wad of cash. And I just was like, I almost was like, bro. I need to help you now. I 
I wasn't about to say I'll help you pick it up because I didn't want to make him think that I was, you know, you know, trying to uh, take any of his money or anything. But when I say help him, I was thinking like, dude, you you need a lesson in what you you're not supposed to be doing. Because, see, this is why you don't do that, because in the wrong environment, something else would happen that you don't want to happen. What if I was that person at this time? You would be in big trouble right now. What I'm saying is I have the ability to see how that was formed by my environment to provide another example and this will be better because it's probably just a bad idea anywhere to drop all of your cash on the ground late at night but when I was in college it struck me that unlike when I was in high school in the places I was going and just where I was at I can leave my phone here and be good so when I was in school especially when I was a junior and I was a senior and I was pretty much in those courses where you know, this is my major. I know all of you. I've been seeing all of you for years. I got some of y'all number. It just hit me that I can leave my phone here in the classroom while I go to the bathroom or I step outside or whatever the case may be. There were times when I did leave my phone in the classroom while I snuck out to go get a snack at like, you know, the vending machine or the little cafe. Or if I was early to class, I would go and I would, you know, sometimes forget my phone. I would not run back because, oh, I'm going to Starbucks real quick. And, you know, I left my phone. Let me run back and get it and then, you know, proceed with my Starbucks run. No, I'm just going to continue and just get my coffee and I'll be back. And it'll be there when I get back because where my phone is located, I left it around some people I know and I'm comfortable with. And the odds are that if my phone is taken, it's going to be taken by someone I know or it's going to be taken by someone I don't know, but everyone I know just let it happen. <laughs> and so the risks were extremely mitigated. Now, that's not to say there weren't risks, but it was important for me to understand that there is an area of life where you ain't got to worry like that. Like you ain't got to be on your guard as much. And that's beneficial for me and my thinking. It broadens my understanding of people and context and places and allows me to be happier. And the opposite is true. It is also very important for me to know that, hey, over here, you know, you, you know, you downtown, you uptown, whatever the case may be, you on the west side, you might not want to leave your phone, your laptop out while you go to the bathroom. First of all, you don't know anyone here. So no one's going to tell a thief like, hey, what are you doing? Stop. That's my friends, whatever. But also it go down over here sometimes. You know what I mean? Like we, <laughs> we get it popping over here and that's an easy, easy come up for somebody that you left your phone. And so you want to be cognizant of both. James Baldwin said, we must tell our children that the world is not beautiful or terrible. They must know that it is both. And when you understand that there is a beauty in that because it is the truth. It might not be as innocent as the child who thinks that no one wants to harm them ever and no one does anything bad, but it is still beautiful because it is true. Remember that environment matters. Now, let's go to experiences, create new ones. <laughs> I, I don't have to spend a lot of time on this one because it is similar to the environment. Just like you got to change your environment, you have to diversify your experiences now, you might have had really good experiences, and I want you to continue having good experiences. I'm not saying that you should go out and have bad experiences. What I am saying is that you will encounter some bad experiences, and instead of 
you know, acting like they didn't happen instead of disowning them and not taking responsibility for them. Like we talked about in our last episode, you want to own those decisions and those experiences that come as a consequence of those decisions. And you want to experience them and add them to your knowledge bank, because now you are the kind of person who will not only understand someone who has not had the best experiences, but you will be able to instruct someone who wants to continue having good experiences and avoid the bad one that you, you know, that you that you experienced, for lack of a better word. So own those experiences, even if they are not so great, but diversify them. There are more than one kind of good experience. So I was talking to a friend recently, and then I had a follow up conversation with another friend about traveling. So I'm big on, you know, reading and really in my mind, I'm traveling to these places and I'm seeing them and I'm like, oh, this is wonderful. And I really like the intellectual stimulation that reading brings and all that good stuff. But my friend was telling me like, yo, travel like it is an education in and of itself. And I I first of all, I firmly agree with that. Like, I mean, just off the rip, I was like, yeah, that just sound right, honestly. Uh, But also, you know, the argument was made and all that good stuff. And I talked to another friend who just was like, absolutely, man, you got to travel, you got to go. Because here's the thing, there is a very real benefit in sitting down and reading a book about, you know, Elon Musk or reading a fiction book. Uh, Let's call it, you know, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. I haven't read that one yet, but that's that's next on the fiction list Uh, or Pride and Prejudice. One of my favorites that that is an experience. It is you're, you're being brought into a world. You're understanding uh, you know, language at the time of, you know, whatever context the book is, is situated in. It is an experience and it is important to get that experience. But it is, it is also important for you to walk in water that you can basically see through. Because every beach ain't created equal. It's important to be able to literally see the sunset in another country it's important to be able to get somewhere. And I had this experience. It was it was life changing. Honestly, it's important to get out of the city and be able to see the stars, the real stars, not like one star, but like thousands of stars. You just look up and there are stars everywhere. I remember the first time I saw a starry night sky in the country. I was like, what is this? To begin layer two and chapter two of this podcast I want to read a scripture, Philippians 4, verse 8. I referenced this scripture in the closing of our last podcast to introduce this episode. And this is really what we're going to be dealing with when we start talking about layer two, which is going to be the actual content and information that we put inside ourselves, what we consume. So Philippians 4, verse 8 says, Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatever is pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatever is of good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. So for part two of this episode, we're really going to be looking at Philippians chapter four, eight as a kind of blueprint of how we are to make our home in our mind and make it a beautiful place where we can share it with others and others can be benefited by the fruit it produces. So first of all, let me say before I jump into that, 
that this is one of those passages of scriptures that you and everyone else, you know, can understand on a very human level. We all understand and we all really desire. And I believe this is God's desire for all of us etched on our hearts that we really be the kind of people who think on these things. So let's jump into it. I'm going to take these things as I'm going to take the first, if you will, couplet that we see here mentioned in this verse. And I'm going to use it to talk about what we need to avoid and then what we need to embrace if we're going to think beautifully, if we're going to think well. So he says in verse eight, finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true and honest, brothers and sisters, this is where we need to be in our mind. We talked about this for the contours, but this is also for information. We need to imbibe. We need to consume information that is not only nice, not only entertaining, not only funny, but it also needs to be true and it needs to be honest. Let me use this opportunity to speak relatively quickly about social media use, because this is one of the usual suspects when we start talking about things we need to avoid. I want you to understand, my brothers and sisters, that there's nothing wrong with social media. I literally just hopped off TikTok. I did a little promo for this podcast, but I want you to understand, and I use Facebook as all of you know, but I want you to understand that heavy social media usage will start to affect us if we make it a diet. And it will be a diet if it's heavy social media use. And this has something to do with the true and the honest because the picture that social media creates for reality is actually so small of the picture that if we start to use it heavily, we will be tricked into thinking that it's more than it is. Most of the time, what you get on social media is highlights and snapshots, mainly highlights or snapshots of highlights, right? So you get the mountaintop experience. You get the person who has lost 100 pounds. You get the person who just left an abusive relationship, but they just found and they just got engaged. You get the person who's been uh, jobless for a while, but they just got their new job. And I want you to understand that in 80 to 90 percent of these posts, they're not posting necessarily about their joblessness. They're posting about the job they just got. They're not posting that, yo, he just hit me upside the head <laughs> or she just hit me upside the head. That's not funny. But, you know, what I'm saying they're not posting about that. They're posting about, OK, well, I just got this great new gal or a great new guy. And, you know, you can do it, too. And there's this like very, you know, picturesque, you know, bow tied picture of, you know, happiness and domestic bliss now. And those are highlights. But there are no low lights there. There are no, you know, moderate lights. There's the, the complete picture is entirely missing. Not only that, but you have, you know, the filters and you have, you know, all of this like manufactured thing where it's like, OK, we're going to wait till we go on vacation to like post this. And I'm going to make sure that, you know, it's after dinner and the sun is setting. And I could tell you this story like when I wake up in the morning and I'm, you know, just in my house. But I got to manicure it. You know what I'm saying? So it looks better. It looks nice. And that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that, except if someone's a heavy social media user, they're going to start to lose what it means when we start talking about the, the true and the honest. Also, people be lying. Like if we just being honest, you know, people be lying on social media. It's not all that they say it is. So what can we do? Number one, you want to get around some real people. And when I say real people, I don't mean people who keeping it real necessarily, even though that's important. I mean, like, get with some people and live life like 
have dinner on a Tuesday and a Wednesday with normal people living normal everyday lives. They're not showing up to, you know, make sure they're seen by you. You know, they they just this is just their life. Go to someone's house. I remember my pastor said, you know, he's from the Midwest. You know, they do things a little different out there, according to him, because I was like, whoa, that's a violation. But he was like, listen, I know this is a, you know, East Coast violation. He was like, but show up to a friend's house. He was like, we on the East Coast. So text them. But like, just drop by on a Thursday, shoot him a text. Yo, I'm coming by. You busy? Oh, I'm busy. Okay. I'm coming by tomorrow. You busy? Oh, I'm busy. Okay. Well, let me know a day next week I could drop by. Why? Because I just, I ain't seen you, bro. You know, I ain't seen you, sis. Drop by a family member's house, go to a mentor's house. If there's someone in your space who you want to learn something from, let's say someone at work, you've always been, you know, intrigued by their fashion or their conversation, hit them up and be like, yo, what you doing at the work? Do real, honest life with real honest people let the filters go let the social media go another thing we can do when we start thinking about the true and the honest read a book watch a documentary watch you know something that is true about nature something that's true about people and guess what now you can talk about that with the person you're having coffee with with the person you drop by to see because this is good information uh will smith just wrote a book i just got finished reading it it was an amazing book. It was an amazing look into the life of one of the biggest movie stars. And it was so good because it was a it was just a picture of humanity. He wasn't trying to be anything other than what he is. He wasn't trying to be, you know, he wasn't trying to hide his aspirations to be a big movie star. But also he wasn't trying to hide the fact that, listen, I got some, you know, moments that I'm not really proud of. I got some struggles and all this good stuff. I was a little weary that it was going to be, you know, some really you know hollywood expose you know up all in the business of his marriage and all that it really wasn't that listen read some things that are true and honest it will cause you in your own mind to value that stuff more and it will start to affect your appetite and you'll just want more things that are true and honest and it'll actually turn you against the fake and the fabricated and the manufactured in this conversation about honesty and truth, uh, it might go without saying, but I want to make it clear that, of course, we do not want to consume lies. We want to stay away from lies and liars. And so in the first episode, we talked about conspiratorial thinking and avoiding that. Please go back and listen to that if you haven't. But you want to avoid that kind of thinking because that's very much in the uh, the ballpark of lies. If not straight up, they're just lies. So you want to stay away from that sort of thinking. Of course, I'm thinking about crazy left and right wing, you know, media, stuff like that. You want to stay away from as well. Now, liars, you want to stay away from those, but also you don't want to allow yourself to become one. You don't want to lie to yourself. Lies, my brothers and sisters, will infect your garden like weeds. They will be stains on your castle and castle walls. To go back to the metaphor we mentioned at the beginning of this episode. Don't lie to yourself. Tell yourself anything but a lie. And what I mean by that is you might be dealing with something that's hard for you to face. You might have something in your past that's hard for you to face. It will be much more benign for you and your thinking for you to say, that's not something I'm ready to face. You don't have to say something that is not true. You do not have to call something 
one thing and it be another thing. You can just say, I am afraid of that right now. And here's the truth of it. And this is also a lovely truth. When you do that, it helps you to face it because it's less scary now. The scariest thing about monsters and all sorts of things is that they're unnatural. There's something twisted about it. But when you call something what it is, there's something very natural about it, and it helps you to face it. And as James Baldwin said again, he said, if you can face it, then you can fight it. And perhaps if you can fight it, you just might be able to beat it. And when you label things in your garden, honestly, even if it's just I I don't want to go there or I. I can't really I can't really think about that right now. Or, you know, that's a little that's a little bit of a soft or scary issue for me. That's not going to have an insidious effect upon what grows there. And now you will be being kind to yourself. Because everything in here. Everything here is represented as it is. There are no lies here. And what a beautiful place to be. So couplet number two is dealing with the pure and the lovely. The Bible says whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, think on these things. So what I love about this is that this is going to be subjective. It's going to be depending on who you are and what you find lovely, right? Beauty is in the eye of the beholder in this sense. So I can give you an example for my own life, but you have something different, I'm sure. And if you don't know what it is, go out and find your lovely. So for myself, it's poetry. I have literally recited Dickinson on this podcast before. So I love Emily Dickinson. I love Tennyson. I love Edgar Allan Poe. I love Browning and Keats. And I mean, Rossetti. I mean, the list really goes on. And it's not just that I'm talking about Emily Dickinson or reciting Dickinson when I'm on this podcast. I'm not doing it to, you know, impress a girl I'm trying to talk to. I really think in these terms. So if I'm out and I'm someone says something, it jolts something in my mind because Dickinson is in my mind. So like that line about, you know, there are things that resting rise. Shall I expound the skies? How still the riddle lies? It comes up because it's there and it's not benefiting me when I say it. It's benefiting me even when I'm not saying it. It's benefiting me when I'm sleeping. It's benefiting me when I'm watching, you know, some television show or the basketball game because it resides there. And I want you to find the lovely for yourself, whether that be, I mean, you could like thinking about anything and it's not just about thinking it's, you can do things that cause you to, you just enjoy it so much that it just takes up a lot of mental real estate. There are people who love hiking and they have hiking magazines. They listen to, they're they're listening to hiking podcasts. And now when they're out and about There are things and there are connections that their mind makes to mountains and gear and hiking because that is what resides in their mind. And here's where the pure comes in. They're not doing it because they're trying to impress someone or they're not doing it because they're trying to, you know, gain some external like, you know, enjoyment. They enjoy it for its own sake. Ah, Oh, my goodness. This is this is so very important. It's the most important part of this section here. You got to do it for its own sake. If you love something, if you find something lovely, 
then it's not about some external reward. It's not about, oh, when I'm when am I going to get paid for this? What grade am I going to get for this poem that I recited and memorized? No, I memorized it because it does something to me. It completes, you know, this one section of the garden so well, like it blesses me. So it's so good to me just for its own sake. This is the level of purity that leads to this inner tranquility that you see in so many people or you see in some people rather. If you like knitting and this is going back to the activities, if you like, um, let's say you just like tea, you like having good tea in conversation, you like reading books, whatever your lovely is, you need to let it, you know, consume a portion of your garden. And now you can benefit from it being there, not so you can give it to somebody else but so that you have it. And, you know, one of the reasons I like to memorize poems uh, is the same reason I like to memorize scripture. Really, it's one day I'm not going to be able to get to it. And it's really not even about the one day. It's even now, like if if I'm in my bed and I'm thinking about certain things, I don't have to go get the scripture to remember when David said, you know, when my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that's higher than I. I don't have to go open the book. It's there in me. And that's what you want the lovely to be. You want it to be there. So whenever you need it, you can be half asleep is there. And it is blessing your mind just by its presence. Alternately, you want to, of course, mitigate and stay away from the things that would detract from your purity and love and, you know, your your mind and your headspace. You want to protect that space and you want the pure and you want the lovely to grow without prejudice. You want it to blossom all over the place. So I would say to my listeners, to my lights, my brights, my people who are full of love. Shout out to y'all. Love y'all. You want to defend your space against unnecessary drama. That's number one. So you don't want to be taking on people's issues if people won't take on their own issues. You don't want to care about people's problems more than they care about it. You don't want to be losing sleep and tossing and turning and just admitting these things into your meditative mind where you're thinking about it and you're trying to come up with solutions and you're trying to, you know, deal with it skillfully and trying to, you know, just kind of contain it or understand it. And you're doing all this work and the other person, the person to whom it belongs is just telling you. And I remember I was talking to my sister one time and we both have experienced this in our lives where, you know, people have come to us and they've been asking us questions and, you know, just want to just kind of like unload different things on us because, oh, you're just so easy to talk to. Boom, boom, boom. And this is not I'm not trying to brag. I'm just trying to tell you what it is. And so me and her talked about how, yo, it can get draining sometimes. And she told me she said she got to a point where she realized that her friends would do the dumping and then they would go do the exact thing that she told them not to do. And she learned eventually that what it is, is that the act you, (laughs) let me put it like this. You and I might think that they're here unburdening because they actually want the help. They actually need someone to talk to. And I want to be there for you and help you. But when you discover that someone is continuing to perpetuate the same cycles that landed them crying to you in the first place, 
then what you start to understand is that some people it's enough for them to just go cry about it and then go do it again. It is the dog returning to his own vomit in the sense that the issue is made bearable because you're willing to listen, but they're going to keep doing whatever it is they're doing. You want to stay away from that unnecessary type of drama because that's going to crowd your headspace and it's not going to leave room or it's not going to leave the room that it would for the beautiful and the lovely and the pure to grow. Another thing we want to avoid really is even just very dark and sinister media. Now, I don't want to get too much into the like weeds of this, but to give you an example, I remember when I was 15 or 16, maybe maybe even 14, I just decided to stop watching prison documentaries. And I had seen a couple, you know, here and there. And this got extended to prison movies when I was like an adult age, like 20 or 21. I saw this one movie where it was dealing with this and it was a good movie, but it was just like, I don't want my mind to go there. I don't I don't like the temperature in my mind when I finish watching this like prison documentary. It's not good. Like it's not you're literally going to a place where people are bound. And now, even though you're not there physically, your mind is being brought there because that's what you do when you enjoy a movie or a show. You're literally allowing it to be a form of escape. And it's not an escape for your body, an escape for your mind. So if you find something like that, if you got something like that around you where you like, yeah, I don't like how I think, you know, after I talk to this person, I don't like how I feel. You need to pay attention to that because you want to stay away from that. And it's not because you're being selfish. And I want to I want you I want to I want to say that because I don't want the devil to lie to you and say, oh, you being selfish or you being wimpy. No, you're protecting the pure and the lovely. And there's no there's nothing more honorable than that. So guard your heart, guard your peace. It's all love here. The last couplet we'll deal with is found in the last two clauses of verse eight, where he says, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. But also we can kind of add into this the uh whatsoever things are of good report which comes right before virtue so you have whatsoever things are of good report if there be any virtue if there be any praise think on these things and so we want to think on these things but i also kind of want to extend this out just for us to understand how we can be better christians not just in ourselves and not just in our thinking but externally so i just got finished talking about you know, having it inside, right? I just got finished talking about creating a self-sustaining ecosystem in our minds where because we are thinking on the pure and the lovely, because we're thinking on the virtuous and the praiseworthy, because we're thinking on these things, it can give us happiness. It can it can spring forth joy and bliss in ourselves. That's a powerful thing. But also, uh, you know, it w- I would be remiss not to mention that all of this, again, is to be shared. So let's deal with the virtuous first. If there is anything virtuous, I want us to have an eye for what is virtuous. And this is going to come as a result of reading the word of God. There's really nothing more beautiful. There's nothing more lovely. There's nothing more virtuous than the word of God. So the first thing I'm going to say is to read the word. It will not only save your soul, because of course it will. That's the most important thing but it will also transform your thinking. It will give you an eye for other things that are of the same ilk 
and are cut from the same cloth and everything that is virtuous is going to be related in some way to the word even if it's a small way because there's nothing more virtuous and if we have an eye to see what is virtuous then we'll be able to pick that out and focus on it rather than the sinister or the dark stuff so when we start thinking about virtue that's important for us to do but let's think about good report things are of good report and praise and here's where i want to extend it outward the verse is telling us to think on these things and that's important but if you think on these things then eventually these things are going to become fruit in your life so what i want you to do is uh i challenge you really to commit to calling things praiseworthy if they're praiseworthy and i challenge you to call things good if they are good label them use your mouth tell somebody yo i really enjoyed that thing you did it hit me one day that i think things sometimes good things that i just don't share with people like i'll be like oh that's amazing you know that's really cool but i won't tell them i won't i won't share it with them i won't call it out because it's enough for me to just think it and i'll be like satisfied right but that's good for me but that's not good for them if you like if the way someone like at a restaurant you know is giving good service and you're just you know we talked about this in a labor shortage people you know just kind of at you know a mcdonald's or a taco bell or a chick-fil-a or wherever the case may be you know they're just doing their job they're nice you know whatever but then you run across somebody who's exceptional i mean they just got this glowing attitude they got this warm spirit and you just feel it tell them that you i mean i'm i'm at this i'm on this energy now where i'm like lord i want you to i want you to remind me to tell folk like yo this is excellent like your service is excellent your attempts at like doing your job is seen i appreciate it i'm feeling the exceptionalism i'm feeling the love what starts to happen is when you call stuff out there's a i'm reading a book now called atomic habits and he talks about how um one of the things they do on the japanese railway is they they implement a system called point and call where they start to point out these really mundane things and it's for the purpose of not going on autopilot which is what your mind tends to do when you do repetitive things and this is a shout out for everyone who's you know just their days are really repetitive the reason they do that is because they don't want to ever get too used to these things because these things have to do with safety and even though they do this a thousand times a day the one time they mess up it could cost someone an injury an arm a leg a life and so they point and call and it they have the safest and most efficient railway system in the world just about so i want you to implement a similar system when it comes to the good and the praiseworthy call something out yo if you marry and your spouse you know what i'm saying they looking good or they you know they just made you a sandwich or whatever <laughs> whatever spouse to be doing be like yo listen i appreciate you this this sandwich rocking or like yo you looking good Psh, you already know if you are you know what i'm saying going to a parent teacher conference and you know the teacher been emailing you all year and they've been working with you tell that teacher like listen i really appreciate you taking this time with my child i know you got many children that you work with and care about and i know you care about my child but i just want to let you know i appreciate the effort you're putting in um and you talk to this teacher all the time but do that if you are working with clients and you know the clients you know tell you thank you for blah blah, blah 
give them a Christmas card and just say, yo, I just appreciate your business. Do something for people in an overt sense because it will do something for you, I guarantee you, because it will now condition your mind to look for the good and look for the praiseworthy because you are in the habit of calling it out. And when you condition your mind to do that, then suddenly the world is now full of color and benevolence and wonder. And it's not that you don't know that the dark, you know, kind of sinister things exist, but you ain't really paying them no attention because you're so busy and preoccupied with the lovely. And that's going to do it for today's episode. It's been a pleasure with this Think Series with today's episode. It's a beautiful Wednesday afternoon and I'm going to go and enjoy my day. I want you to do the same read a scripture, read a poem, do what you enjoy, meditate for a moment, go inside your castle, pick some fruit from your garden, make it a beautiful day, make it a beautiful week. I'll see you people, my loved ones at this point next time.